I can't tell you how many times we were told, you know, this is the, the best place to go in the city. It, there's no, there, there's no other people like, like this that are doing this. That are, they're like, we can get food, but this environment, I used to come just for the food, he would say. Now I come to hear the message. I come to hear the word. Dinner Church is a simple and powerful approach to church where food, friendship, and the stories of Jesus are shared around a dinner table. New Dinner Church congregations are starting all over North America. The Dinner Church podcast is creating a space for conversation with Dinner Church pastors, leaders who are already a part of what God is doing through Dinner Church in North America. I'm Heather and I love Dinner Church. Although I serve in a thriving church, I felt the tug to get out of the regular Sunday morning routine to bring the good news of Jesus' kingdom to new places. Dinner Church has been a revolutionary experience for me, my team, and for our congregation. And I want you to get a glimpse of what is happening in this inspiring movement. Join us as we listen in and learn more about how to launch and lead a dinner church. Hey, everybody. I am so excited about today's podcast when we spend some time with Isaac Olivares, who has been leading um, dinner church for about 12 years now out in the Denver area. You know, when I started out with Dinner Church myself, I couldn't get enough um, stories from other people and other leaders who were doing Dinner Church in their communities um, to, just to kind of grasp what my next steps would be. And so Isaac today is going to tell us about all kinds of aspects of Dinner Church, including a special Dinner Church that was just for children. Um, I hope that you will listen in and learn the way that I have. Well, we are so excited to have Isaac Oliveras. How'd I do, Isaac? <laughs> You're great. Wonderful. Yeah, with us for our Dinner Church podcast today. I'm going to let Isaac just go ahead and tell us a little bit about himself and the ministry that he's been up to. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Heather, for having me. It's an honor to, to be doing this. And um, for the last really about 12 years, my family and I have been involved with Dinner Church here in Denver, Colorado, uh, primarily serving the underserved population of, of Denver. Um, so we started a nonprofit organization called Urban Outreach Denver, and really we're just looking for ways to meet the needs that exist in the inner cities. So we were working primarily with homeless population um, and, and those just, you know, on, on the margins. And so um, out of that dinner church, or excuse me, out of that effort grew a dinner church and it happened organically and um, was just a way again to um, provide a presence of the gospel to to the inner city and, and to the marginalized. So we started that in about 2012 and um, yeah, just up until last month, actually, uh, we resigned our post there and have some, some other things coming, but was the joy of our lives, the honor and privilege of, our, of a lifetime to be able to serve among that population. And, and I think what's remarkable about it, uh, remarkable about it is what we learned um, during that journey and during that process. So um, yeah, just starting, starting really from scratch and learning lessons along the way and um, trying to just be a presence of the gospel in, in a dark area spiritually. So uh, awesome. Awesome. You are preaching to the choir, yet speaking directly to my heart here, Isaac. So I'm excited to spend some time with you this morning. So why don't we just kind of get right down to um, Dinner Church itself. Would you just tell us what an evening at Urban Outreach Dinner Church looks like? 
Yeah, it's, um, you know, first of all, if I were giving an orientation to perhaps like a group of volunteers, I would say it's going to go quickly. So mm -hmm. enjoy every aspect of it, right? So right. Um, it, it's, it's a night where people are angling for food, obviously, um, among the homeless, among the, the marginalized. Um, the meal is actually a very important component not so much spiritually speaking, maybe for, for everyone coming, but um, what it looks like is people anxious to eat um, a good meal, uh, people anxious to eat a good meal in good company. Right. And so we have people that are lining up as early as, you know, early afternoon. We start serving at 6 p.m. Mm -hmm. so it looks like people come down grabbing food. Uh, they're happy to see friends. They're happy to see us. We're happy to see them. So it's a festive atmosphere. Um, it's jovial. It's it's loud. It's talking. It's it's laughing. Occasional anger. Occasional uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. things like that. Um, but there's worship music playing. We have you know a a worship leader who's singing, just just providing that atmosphere of worship. Um, so that's kind of like her providing context really for everything that's about to happen. Mm -hmm. and, uh, we're greeting folks. And then really about 15 to 20 minutes in, um, I share what we call the Christ story. And that's just um, a 15 minute hit uh, or 10 minute hit of, you know, a story that Jesus told or a story about Jesus, usually from one of the gospels. Um, I think in our 12 years there, we went through each of the gospels well, about four times through. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're just kind of breaking it down, right? Like verse by verse, chunk by right. chunk, I would say, take the next chunk. And yep. if if there was a, a particular passage that was especially just just rich, I would maybe take a couple of weeks and and just take it from different angles each week. Mm -hmm. Um, because you don't want to skip over those just the really you know poignant passages. Right. Um, we would finish in prayer. Uh, we would have follow up conversations at each table, um, and really, what I would tell our volunteers is is to um, you know pick up that conversation. Maybe wherever you left off last week, if you haven't picked it up during the week, um, you see someone again, and, and you you follow up on that conversation. Maybe there was a prayer that happened, or um, right. that they told continue that conversation, allow them as, as Verlin Fosner would say to unpeel that onion and, and to go uh -huh. deeper. Um, and then we serve more food, uh, seconds, you know, so you're talking six o'clock, six fifteen. Yeah. uh, Christ story, 6.30-ish, uh, finish the Christ story. And then everyone in our case would get seconds after the Christ story. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, so, you know, we, uh, tell our caterers to prepare enough food to uh, not only provide firsts, seconds, thirds, but also even a to-go box uh -huh. on the account. And so a bounty of food, a boatload of food. So it looks like a lot of food and it's not just what it looks like. It's what it smells like and what it sounds like. Uh, it's just an embodiment of the gospel. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Appealing in every way. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Cool. Yeah. So um, I think you and I both have a history of trying to create space for the people that nobody else wants or sees, yeah. um, the marginalized people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so can you kind of speak into what is different in the approach um, in the context of loving and serving the marginalized? Mm. The word that comes to mind is decentering, but mm -hmm. but it's the idea that it decenters 
the, the, the big talk from the leader or the pastor. Mm -hmm. I think to me, that's the thing that stands out is that, as I mentioned a minute ago, there are so many elements to um, the evening, you know, a dinner church evening that are providing context, but also really beginning that, that process of preaching the gospel, really. It's the welcoming, the hospitality, uh, the, the, the generosity of God, the, you know, all those things are really, they're not just in the background so that we can, you know, do church. They are in fact, beginning that process of actually the sermon, if you will, they are preaching to people. Right. And so, um, by the time I come up to share the Christ story, that's just one element of the evening. And so when I say decentering, I mean that it's not, it's not just heavy on a 30 plus minute sermon. It decenters that evening to where all these components in a way have equal weight. Now, again, of course, yeah. the proclamation of the gospel from the scriptures is a huge component. Don't, you know, don't, don't get right. me wrong. But it see it, it it just fits. It it's it's a seamless transition, if you will. Almost like I, I tell people, like if you're at a family dinner and you know it's you know a, a, a large family and you know everyone may not have a particular chair at the table, but there's still mm-hmm. room for everyone at the table. Whether it's you pulled up the piano seat, you you <laughs> yeah, you know someone you know a couple of kids are sharing a chair or you know and and there's just enough room for your plate on the corner of the table, but everyone has a place. Everyone has room, and then someone just says, "Hey, I got something to say," you know, or or, or hey, oh, remember that time? It's almost just within the context of the meal. Yeah. Uh, spontaneously, the Christ story happens. Spontaneously, uh, a remembrance happened mm. spontaneously a hey it's it's you know this person had a win man they, they they got some housing man like this is this is incredible yeah it's 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 just a it there's nothing that there's no one particular element that everything hinges on um that that is going to make or break the evening it's it's mm-hmm. a totality of these the elements whole experience it's the whole deal correct yeah yeah, yeah. and so that to me is what stands out about dinner church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And look, if we're being honest, it it helps. It's a it's a great way to mitigate the leader having an you know getting an ego because it's yeah. not about me. It's not all about what I need to do tonight for dinner church to be successful. Oh no, that's that's not it at all. And so, yeah. um, well, I can't wait for people to hear that your description of this. It's just it's so on point. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. So can I add, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but can I ask you this then? So a lot of times when we try to tell other people about the beauty of dinner church and whatnot, their biggest maybe pushback or question is about discipleship and life transformation. Um, and I think you and I both know that that, that definitely happens through dinner church, um, the work of the Holy Spirit there. So can you, I don't know, maybe tell us a story of a person or what it, how that transformation looks from your standpoint of somebody who first started coming with a voracious appetite for a hot meal mm. and, and how that turns into something so much more, what, what do you see in the person? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a great um, uh, point because you're right. Um, that is something that I often hear as well. And I think that 
again, the, the first thing that I, that comes to mind is, well, discipleship has never happened in a classroom except for very, very recently in mm-hmm. church. Um, yeah. In, in real life, that's just not how it happens. It happens in real life. And so that's the first thing. And I think that we get a chance to just really become more aware of that through dinner church. I think of a, of a friend uh, named Michael, um, who's from Germany, actually. And so for a long time, we just called him Germany. Um, <laughs> and he would come and he was always he's and he's he's super polite, super kind, very thankful. Um but he lives on the streets. And, and when we first met him, he, he would come in and, and he uh, um, would would have all his, uh, you know, his backpack, but he would have enough, you know, um, Tupperware and, and a mug to take coffee with him on the way out and to take the food mm-hmm. on the way out. But he would always leave just before the Christ story. Um, so he was very thankful, very appreciative. But as soon as it was his time, you know, for the Christ story, he was on his way out. This happened for two or three years. Wow. And through conversations, he found out that he was an atheist and he, you know, just had no interest in hearing about God or anything. But slowly over the years, uh, really about three years in, he started staying for the Christ story. Maybe it was to be able to receive seconds afterward, <laughs> whatever it was. Uh, but really, no, it, it was more about our, just again, that atmosphere of love, of warmth, of welcoming made and invited him to stay and uh <laughs> wasn't much longer to you know after that where he mentioned to me he was now considering the fact that there might be a god um mm-hmm. move now from atheist to agnostic he's contemplating that idea to um you know again june was our last month fully at the helm but uh, by it's in march he literally had just told me in march He's reading now the Bible in German. He's he he had oh, wow. the German Bible app on his phone uh, and on his tablet, and he reads. You know, he's reading the Bible in German now. And so this process took close to ten years. Yeah, I think that's a thing that might throw some people is mm-hmm. you are journeying with people, and it's yes. going to take time, right? But but we we're not forcing them through this you know, checklist of, well, Hey, you've been with us now for this long, you should be here. But the example I I like to share of Michael is, 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 is simply that, you know, over time they see Jesus in our interaction with them. They feel Jesus in our, our welcoming of them. They smell Jesus in the beautiful smell of all the different foods that we're serving. And of course they hear the proclamation of the gospel during the Christ story and they feel the presence of Jesus during worship to me, if that's not discipleship, I don't know what is because Amen. we can force people to, to, I don't know, check boxes off in, in, in a certain environment of, of discipleship, or we can just hold their hand gently and walk with them on life's journeys the way Jesus does with yeah. them. Right. You know, and, and I think yeah, there's no story in the Bible of Jesus encountering people and rushing them or racing with them, you know, it. That's not how Jesus works and it's not how we should be working either. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's, you know, it's uh, Jesus showing us a better way. It's Jesus showing us this is, you know, because, you know, again, we, I think in a large part, you know, sin is really just us believing the way the world would want us to believe about this being the best way to get through life versus the way Jesus tells us and invites. It's an invitation to say, you know, there's a better way. And, uh, 
that that invitation is worthless if we force it onto somebody. It, that's not an invitation. That's not hospitality. And mm-hmm. what we get from Jesus is that invitation. Hey, let me show you uh, the best way to get through the, this life, the best way to truly be alive. And I think when Pete, you know, the Holy Spirit is far more convincing than we will ever be. So if we can just have that proximation to people, we can be close to people mm. as this journey is being, you know, lived out. Well, the Holy Spirit will do the convincing. Yes. We are the ones that get impatient. And, <laughs> and, and it it's not always easy. It's not to say that it's easy to just let, you know, to see people maybe go up and down and up and down. Yeah. Man, but if we're looking at it, isn't that how we live our lives too? Absolutely, it is. And so that's it. It's a humbling process. It's, yeah. it's a learning process. But boy, when when you see the Holy Spirit work on someone's heart that was hardened, a hardened atheist, yeah. um, to then the softening of the heart, yeah. to then, oh, there's that, that, that possibility oh, that maybe there is a God because I'm seeing some things here that I don't see anywhere else. I can't tell you how many times we were told, you know, this is the the best place to go in the city. It there's no there, there's no other people like like this that are doing this. Right. They're, they're like we can get food, but this I hear that too. Yes. Like the it you know. So I used to come just for the food. He would say. Now I come to hear the message. I come yeah. to hear the word. Yeah. To me is the Dinner Church Collective is a nationwide community of everyday missionaries spreading the word about this simple, effective, and historical approach to starting new churches. We sure hope you'll join us for the Dinner Church Summit November 9th through the 11th, 2023 in Orlando, Florida. This will be the inaugural gathering of the Dinner Church Collective, and it's your opportunity to be a part of developing a family of pioneers passionate about recapturing this powerful expression of God's kingdom. You will meet colleagues who become friends. You will eat really well. You'll worship heartily and you'll learn tangible practices for building a dinner church movement. Learn more at dinnerchurch.com slash summit. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Um, So I often say, well, this morning I was reading um, during my quiet time in the Bible and just being reminded of what a privilege it is for me personally to to be able to have this front row seat to this kind of transformation, yeah. um, but not only to see it, but to experience it myself. Mm. Um, so I'm wondering, how has God transformed you in these years of doing dinner church and urban outreach and and all of that? It transformation is is the appropriate word. It's uh, <laughs> that has changed me thoroughly. Uh, changes the way that I read scripture, mm-hmm. uh, a, a different lens. Um, changes the way I see the world. Uh, changes the way I understand the gospel. It's it's been a very fundamental change in my life. Um, and you know, I, I like to think that uh, you know, twelve years ago when we started this process, that I, you know, my my motivation for wanting to serve and be among the poor, like was, was, uh, you know, uh, came, came from, from a, a pure motivation. Uh, but, mm-hmm. um, I think still with everything that we've learned, um, it's just allowed me to see that it's not so much that, Oh, you know, let me do this for the poor. 
it's really so much say, I just want to enter into what Jesus is already doing among the poor, because what I've learned is that Jesus is among the poor. Amen. His presence is already there. And so I guess if I would have, you know, what I would have said probably early on was I want to bring Jesus to the poor. I didn't, in in my thinking, he was already there. Yeah. have had the privilege of just entering in and it has fundamentally changed the way I read scripture, Mm -hmm. which shapes my understanding of the gospel, which then shapes my motivation for future ministry for, for, you know, just efforts just in my life. Um, And so that to me has been by far and away. It's, it's, I mean, look, just being honest, it's, it's changed the way I vote. It's changed, <laughs> it's changed it's changed a lot of things. I mean, it really has, right? You know? and it's it's given me a, a reassurance that my faith in Jesus, my understanding of the gospel, it's not tied into man. I you know, it's not tied into my you know um, patriotism, my citizenship as an American, my citizenship as whatever, or even my identity as uh-huh. a American, like. It, it it's just really helped me grasp the immensity, the you know, of the of the kingdom of God. Amen. Uh, it really, really has. It's something that I will forever be thankful for. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. good. So yeah. good. So good. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that. You know, it's more that you experience Jesus in the marginalized, in these people. And what yeah. what I've come to realize and, and to say frequently mm-hmm. is that these days, after the transformation that God has done in me, is I actually see Jesus when I look into the faces of, of these people. So true. And yeah. So, yeah. so true. Yeah. Yep. So, yes. And you talk about the joy that um, Dinner Church has brought to your soul. Um, I am with you there. Okay. So I don't want to, but let's switch gears. (laughs) Um, so there is so little, um, information, experience stories out there about dinner church and children. And I know that you and Jamie, um, at one time had a dinner church specifically for kids, little rascals. Is that what it was? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So can you just, can you give me, first of all, what led you to do that and how you did it, what it looked like, and just you talk. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a fun time. In fact, um, just last week, I was at a youth conference down in Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. I ran into a couple of kids that uh, had been part of our youth camps, uh, mm-hmm. summer camps that we had done for kids. Uh, and really, um, Little Rascals, our, our kids' inner church grew out of our kids camps that we ran. Um, so again, you know, in the uh, pre-COVID world, what we had was our Thursday night community dinners. And then we had our Monday night uh, kids, you know, dinner church, Little Rascals. But what we were doing was running a summer camp all summer long that really just was a way to, uh, again, just, just, um, be around and love these, these kids down in the um, five points neighborhood mm-hmm. in Denver. And so um, it was a, it was a, a camp that, that grew, uh, it swelled to, I mean, I think we had over 50 kids that, nice. were, that, that would come daily. So it was daily. And we just, again, the motivation was to feed them a couple of meals. So we would feed a breakfast, feed, feed lunch. And then we do basically like a VBS in between. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, the, the summer months. And so we would 
you know, we bring team in, teams in from out of state, all, all this stuff. It was a lot of effort. It was a lot of, you know, um, just focus. And then we found ourselves at the end of the summer thinking, man, we, we're going to miss these kids. Like we're going to miss these kids. So then we thought, you know what, come back next Monday night and we're going to just going to start, we're, you know, we'll have okay. a meal and we'll continue, you know, this, what we're doing. And, and that's how, that's how it started. And, and it was mm-hmm. just an opportunity to, you know, well, for, for one, we had to get ourselves a van and pick up and drop off kids and all right. these things. And so it just grew very organically out of what we were doing with our summer camps. And it was just this opportunity to, again, you know, yeah, the food is, is that motivation, but these kids just needed love and they needed that, that support. And it wasn't just from us. They had formed friendships with each other mm-hmm. and, and they didn't all obviously go to the same schools. So this was a great way for them to still stay in contact with each mm-hmm. other. Um, and yeah, there it's, you know, kind of a That's different, cool. uh, set of, you know, uh, rules of engagement with the kids and yeah. you know parameters and things like that. But man, it, it was a really wonderful time. So I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, and you know, kids don't experience family dinner the way that we did, you right. know, which has been, that's a discipling experience in itself. Right. Um, probably one of the big ones uh, as I was growing up. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, that that's really, it was like giving that kind of family table experience is what it sounds like. And, and even down to teaching table manners, uh, yes. teaching how to set a table and, and, and clear uh-huh. the table and, and, and uh-huh. yeah, you're right. Those elements that maybe we did take for granted, you know, right. Uh, right. and, and they, you know, maybe their, 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 you know, the, their silence didn't, didn't always uh, give that away, but they really did value it. And they, they mm-hmm. really appreciated just everyone sitting around the table and yeah. seeing each other eat. It, it just, it was a wonderful time. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, thank you for sharing about that. <laughs> so you and your family up to some big changes, right? Headed into a new season of life. Why don't you give us an update on that? Yeah. And tell- also where that leaves your dinner church. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, we just finished up last month was kind of our last official month being involved with, um, our, our dinner church. And we, again, through the, this whole process and everything we've learned has really fueled a desire to, to continue this journey of learning. And so mm-hmm. that has led us to, uh, the point where we're now going to be going to Cambridge to England, where I'll be pursuing a PhD in, in these, and really in these matters, right. That we've all been talking about. And so, um, yeah. I wrote my master's thesis on, uh, Jesus food and Luke and uh-huh. how, how Jesus's meals in the gospel of Luke really were, were just that gateway, uh, mm-hmm. for I- inclusion for the new Testament church and beyond. And so what I want to do in my PhD work is just continue that trajectory on through the book of acts and into the, um, patristics in, and so into the apostolic fathers and just really seeing how meals, you know, um, played a role and, and really seeing what kind of role they played in the formation, the self-identity, the social identity of the earliest Christians and to see what what role meals played in really the apostolic thrust of the early church. Um, so not just seeing meals as as background for the important stuff taking place, but really to see how meals continued through, you know, beyond the first century 
mm-hmm. how those continue to be at the forefront of what it meant for the earliest Christians to, in fact, be the church. Um, and so that's of high interest to me. And so we just really felt like this was an opportunity that that we mm-hmm. wanted to say yes to. Quite frankly, it was something that we thought, yeah. you know what? Um Choose the journey, choose the adventure. And I was just going to say, it sounds like an awesome adventure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. it is. It's going to be a fun adventure. And thankfully, um, like I said, what's really, really cool is this is a direct outgrowth of everything we've been living for mm-hmm. the last decade plus. Yeah. And what's also cool about it is that the work continues. We've over the years built a wonderful just team of, of volunteers and a network of just people that that have, in fact, been the, the, the core components of what's been because it hasn't just been us. You know, I mean, as you know, it takes a team and, and uh-huh. it's a wonderful thing where people just have bought in. So what what it looks like is um, just before we kind of officially stepped out, we actually um, moved locations and and what that did was save us a lot of money really on rent and and things like that. So we moved into um, a spot that's just a half mile west of our location. It's in fact, to the, uh, the the Denver Rescue Mission, which is just really a hub where a lot of the homeless are, are right, and so that that's a very strategic location, um, and so then that's kind of taking care of the location of it, and then as far as the leadership of it, some pastor friends of ours who were right there alongside us, just volunteering for years and years since the since the beginning, had uh-huh. just we want to continue this work. And so they have taken it over uh, and they have taken over just, you know, scheduling caterers, scheduling volunteers, um, just they've taken over leadership of it. So it's been handed off. We, we, we've been, we've been out of the picture now for a little over a month uh, and it's been hard, but it's been good to see how they've just run with it. And it's in fact, because of the space, for those who may not you know, know, we were in a, like a basement space that was, yeah. it, it had enough space for, for, for the years that we were there, but it was still a, a kind of a, a cramped space. And uh-huh. uh, now um, it's not, you know, not only are we out of the basement, but it's on a, just a magnificently sized space. Um, I mean, it's like, uh, I don't know in terms of square footage, but it's like, right. Full, like bigger than a gym. Uh, it's got two large room to move. Yeah. Like just, you know, the, the, the natural sunlight come, it's just a beautiful space. Mm. So it's already growing. Like it's just people, people are filling that space. I love it. So I love. know that what we're doing is a, again, a, I feel like a continuation of what we've been living, um, mm-hmm. knowing that this is, in, you know, the ministry's in good hands and already growing. It just really makes us feel just so, so, I don't know, fulfilled uh, to know what's happening. Yeah. I bet you'll love to hear the stories of what happens in the future. Yeah. Okay. Um, So we can kind of finish up here with just sort of some fun, quick questions. Just one, two sentence answer. All right. All right. So we, we love to talk about our successes in dinner church and the fruitfulness that comes from it. But tell me somehow something that failed miserably, <laughs> something you tried that just didn't go the way you thought it would. Oh, goodness. There are too many to. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. <laughs> um, oh, goodness. What what could I. What could I nail it down to? Um 
Biggest failure, biggest failure, biggest, oh goodness, I'm drawing a blank though in terms of a, some specifics, whether it's from dinner church or from kids camp. Um, well, I mean, I know that when we tried to, to, you know, when we were thinking about when COVID hit to do it like on Zoom, that was an abject failure because obviously people want to be together to share uh-huh. meals and we we found that like that was just quickly not going to work and that's that's what ha- you know happened with our kids in our church that was a really tough break yeah. that was yeah. really, really tough for us um uh, but i i do <laughs> we tried to do a like a worship night like a uh-huh. night where we would bring worship teams in and have people just come just to worship right and it that was an abject failure uh, <laughs> just never took off ever. I mean, yeah. I, I just remember one night I thinking, what are we doing? Uh, yeah. I know that's like not a quick one sentence answer, but that's both. all right. That's all right. Sometimes it takes us a while to accept the, uh, this is not working. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I can also say Sunday attempting Sunday church was probably our biggest. Oh, that's right. I forgot that you had done that. Yeah. 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 Initially, Thursdays were were set up for us to bring people in for, uh, to, to kind of bring people from all the you know outdoor ministry we were doing, bring them in for a Thursday meal, invite them then to Sunday church. That was kind of uh-huh. uh, Sundays just never happened. It, it for a while there was some momentum there, and it just quickly waned. Yeah, yeah. For close to two years to just force it. And it never, it never happened. So that was a big failure. Like, yep. And luckily, we call those failing forward or learning experiences. And we we can't be afraid to try things. So good well, on you for doing. We yeah. realized we were already having church on Thursdays. Basically, is what happened. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, what to you is the best part of the last twelve years of dinner church for you? Um. <laughs> My youngest child, uh, Nasea, we, uh, through the relationships that oh. we built, we ended up adopting our youngest child who, um, her mm-hmm. biological mother was the first woman that we started ministering to on the streets of Denver. So Beautiful. I've always said that whatever else happened was, that's just the, that was the, dice the cherry on top. Yep. Um, cool. we, we come out of this with another child uh, that was un- unexpected. I mean, we weren't mm-hmm. on adopting, uh, we just, we, you know, again, and this woman is pregnant. She's in the hospital. First baby she, of her five babies that she actually gave birth to in a hospital. She tells mm-hmm. the, the staff that her pastors will take her baby because she can't, she's not going to care for the baby. And, and by pastors, she meant us. And that's wow. when we were made aware of the whole situation. So we brought her in at 11 days old and she never left our home and we adopted her close to a year later. So by far. What a story. I did not know. I did not know that. Awesome. All right. What's your favorite dinner church meal, Isaac? Fried chicken, hands down. <laughs> Fried Mine was loaf and mashed potato. <laughs> I mean, and that's, that's a solid choice. But for us, it was the fried chicken with the Louisiana hot sauce. Man, uh-huh. just Lord. Yeah. All. And uh, yeah. Word got around and those were some of our fullest nights ever. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. So I come from a church that has had a pretty thriving history for the last couple of decades, but there was something in my pastors that made them willing to say yes when I brought this idea of dinner church to them. Mm -hmm. So if you were talking to a pastor of an already successful kind of church, what would you say to them? 
to, to maybe convince them. Well, this, you know, we're speaking of hot sauce here. This might, this might sound like it has a bit of sauce on it, but I would say that no matter how successful your Sunday services are, uh-huh. there are, there is an entire segment of the population that doesn't care. They don't care about the success of your Sunday morning program, your Sunday morning production. They don't care. So then the question remains, what are you going to do to reach them? Amen. That hot sauce is good sauce. <laughs> and dinner church is a remarkable um, solution, um, for, for that. Um, there are people that quite frankly, they don't care about how precise our production is, how, just how, how stellar it looks on a screen. They don't mm-hmm. care. Right. And I would dare say neither does Jesus, and, you know, um, we need to reach people that don't care about how well we're doing Sunday morning. I just, I would just encourage them to be open to that. Please just, just consider it among mm-hmm. what you do. Don't scrap what you're doing and then replace it right. with church. Consider dinner church among what you're offering to your community. Um, yeah. You might be surprised. And I, I, I would dare say that you will be surprised. Yep. All right, cool. So uh, let's end with this. Give us a book or a resource that you could recommend. There's so many great ones, mm-hmm. just one. I would say that there's a book out there called Of Widows and Meals uh, by okay. Rick Finger. Of Widows and Meals. The subtitle is Communal Meals in the Book of Acts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rita Finger. Um, she goes through and does a remarkable job of not only, you know, of course, talking about the importance of meals um, in the book of Acts, as the title would suggest, but going through a bit of the reception history of how scholars, you know, through, through, you know, really particularly from um, uh, Luther onwards, um, have maybe not necessarily taken the historicity of of the gospel of Luke or even um, the the meal accounts in, in Acts, you know, they, they have not really given, given it, uh, historical value. So, so talking about how, you know, again, maybe you and I would take it for granted that Jesus's meals, uh, in, in, um, the gospel of Luke with sinners, like those actually happened. And, right. and then that the early church in acts, when we read in acts two forty two through 47, that they, they were all together and they were joyful. They were receiving the, the, you know, the apostles teaching, but they were eating together their fellowship. So this, this fellowship of goods and, and this community, mm-hmm. we would probably take it for granted that the, the historical value in that scholars uh-huh. throughout the ages haven't always taken that, you know, for granted, they haven't always, right. you know, subscribed to that being, you know, historical in nature. So she covers a bit of that. So it's, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's going to flex your academic muscles as, as well as giving you just cool. a, a wonderful um, synopsis of, of, you know, what, what, what the value of these meals were. She goes into Acts chapter six, talking about the mm. widows, you know, the, the, the Gentile widows and the Jewish widows and, 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 and some, you know, these, these Greek terms that talk, you know, talk about serving. And, and, and so that to me will cover a lot of bases for people. And I think that, uh, yeah, it, it's a one. That sounds awesome. I have some time coming up off, time off, and yeah. I'm going to check it out. So do it. do it. All right. I would love to just talk to you for hours and hours, Isaac. It's clear that we have a very similar mindset when it comes to dinner church and even yeah. our stories of how it's all come to be. So um, we are really, really excited for you and your next season. I hope you'll keep 
keep us updated. You know, I'm excited to see what comes of this. And so we'll be praying for you and your whole family. All right. So thanks for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening today. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your Dinner Church story. You can connect with us over at dinnerchurch.com. It's also where you can find a lot of great resources about how to start or sustain your Dinner Church journey. Dinner Church Podcast is brought to you by the Dinner Church Collective and Fresh Expressions. The Dinner Church Collective is a nationwide community of everyday missionaries spreading the word about this simple, effective, and historical approach to starting new churches. We sure hope you'll join us for the Dinner Church Summit November 9th through the 11th, 2023 in Orlando, Florida. This will be the inaugural gathering of the Dinner Church Collective, and it's your opportunity to be a part of developing a family of pioneers who are passionate about recapturing this powerful expression of God's kingdom. You will meet new colleagues who become friends, all while eating well, worshiping heartily, and learning tangible practices for building a dinner church movement. Learn more at dinnerchurch.com summit. This season of the Dinner Church podcast is hosted by Heather Evans and J.D. Larson. It's edited by Joel Limbowen and produced by Kathleen Blackie and Chris Morton. Dr. Verlin Fosner is the director of Dinner Church Collective, and Dr. Chris Backert is the North American director of Fresh Expressions. If you have learned something or been encouraged by this podcast, please help us spread the word. You can give us a review on Apple Music or Spotify and even share this episode on social media. May God bless you as you serve Jesus' kingdom.